Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I'm Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. And come to, uh, we come to you through three channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our newsletters, and in a magazine. They are now all available to you at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. That's www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. We have a diverse program this week, marketing tips for business, affordable, scalable security solutions, and how one startup a leader faces and overcomes obstacles. Our first guest is Barry Sloan, here to talk about how companies can use hash marks in their marketing efforts. Barry, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here this evening. Well, uh, first I have to tell the audience that Barry and his group uh, provide some of the more interesting uh, uh, statistics and insights into business. and uh, We often quote him and, uh, and his material. So we're going to start by first asking Barry a little bit about your background. How did you come to where you are now? Sure, Don. Well, uh, basically, New Tech Business Services has been around as a public company since September of 2000 and privately since January of 98. And the original uh, uh, theory and forecast and thrust of the three original founders was to provide a company that could really focus on the small independent business owners all across the United States. So we've worked very hard at developing a platform and product expertise and content to position ourselves as new tech, the small business authority. Well, you are that. But what about yourself? What's your background? Well, my dad was a retailer. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and my dad uh, basically sold housewares, appliances, and gifts to consumers. And uh, I became very familiar with, A, working uh, six to seven days a week and the mantra that the customer is always right. And uh, with that background, um, went to college, went to graduate school, and then developed a career on Wall Street in the mortgage and asset-backed securities markets. I was very fortunate to get into a market that was uh, high growth, high margin, and exploding, and did that up until about 1995. I managed institutional sales forces. I traded mortgage-backed securities, um, ran a commercial real estate loan conduit. And after doing that for about 15 years, I decided I was going to really uh, branch into something new and sort of fell in love with dealing with small businesses, which basically brought uh, brought me into uh, into new tech today. Well, tell us a little bit about new tech. I, you said, uh, how do you help small businesses? Well, we're uh, very sensitive to what small businesses need, and uh, you know they need they need a lot of help. They need financing, they need uh, technology solutions, um, they need to know how to market themselves. So, uh, New Tech Business Services is a publicly traded company, NEWT on Nasdaq, 
And uh, underneath the holding company, we've got about seven different business lines. Each one of these business lines provides a significant product and service to independent business owners in all 50 states across the United States. But what is unique is these businesses operate on a similar operating platform and back office so that we look at a customer in totality. Most business owners that we deal with typically will use most of the products and services that we offer. So we're a lender. We're the largest non-bank SBA lender in the United States. If you throw banks in, I think we're sixth largest this year. We provide technology platforms to business owners, primarily uh, in the cloud and hosted in the cloud. We help business owners with all e-commerce solutions, payment processing, data storage, payroll, things of that nature. So we really are a one-stop shop for independent business owners all across the United States. Okay, you're here tonight to talk about hash marks uh, and how how do you uh, small businesses can use them? You you have some some ideas on that? Well, we do. I mean, the internet has been the great equalizer. The internet has taken small companies and given them the ability to grow quickly and compete with some of the major companies. And one of the ways in which they can compete from a marketing perspective is to use the advantages of, you know, social media, social networking, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, by the use of hashtags, uh, somebody can open up a Twitter account or a Facebook account and for no cost, um, you know, in terms of a dollar outlay, open up a Twitter account or open up a Facebook account and begin to reach and target a concentrated but large audience that fits what they do. And, you know, the hashtag is the way to actually get to a unique pool of customers cost-effectively without going on radio or TV or other mediums. Um, and it takes work. It's not easy. You've got to put, put work into building a following. But you can, you know, try to target uh, people that are interested in maybe a topic like uh, health care or taxes or maybe a product like um, porterhouse steaks or something like that. And this gives small businesses the ability to get to a very large audience, uh, regionally or nationally, that they never would have been able to get to cost-effectively any other way. And you, you have uh, some ideas of five ways of doing it or five uh, topics on it? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of ways to do it. I think that uh, mentally, you know, obviously uh, small businesses need a, an Internet presence. We we provide websites. We develop them for small businesses. We host them. So the first thing I think that's important is a business, you know, uh, an independent business owner needs to have an Internet interface. But um, clearly uh, businesses should take advantage of uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, and have access um, to you know the universe of Twitter followers or people that also have access to Facebook, um, and to and to be able to reach target market audiences, um, you can use um, hashtags to uh, promote. You can use a hashtag to develop uh, conversations. Um, you could use a hashtag um, really to target a specific customer base or audience. So hashtags in social media, extremely important and very, very useful um, you know, in the marketplace today to give a smaller regional or local independent business owner the ability 
to really get to a large audience cost effectively. Um, I mean, hashtags in social media has been a tremendous innovation. Here's an example. Let's say you had a food truck and you're in a community like Dallas, Texas, where there's a lot of office buildings, but unfortunately, maybe people in those office buildings, in order to get lunch, would have to get in their car and go drive somewhere. But let's say there's a food truck that stops off and has a route of a variety of different uh, office buildings. By using Twitter, that food truck can give out um, a hashtag, for example, it could be you know Dallas food truck, or it just could be something like um, Blue Sky. And by tweeting Blue Sky to the universe of followers of Blue Sky, people would know when that food truck is going to be at what specific location, what building, if it's running 10 minutes late, so when people can go down, get their food, and actually have a conversation and maybe place orders with the food truck as to what they want. So Twitter has really given businesses the ability to communicate, have a conversation, reach a large audience of selected uh, recipients cost-effectively. And that's just one way in which you can use um, social media or hashtags. But how do you build your own hashtag? Uh, for one thing, I had to ask my uh, studio engineer what a hashtag was before we started this program. So uh, mm -hmm. could you go back a little bit and just explain what, what you mean by a hashtag? Well, it's just, you know, a pound sign, and you, you can create your own hashtag. So, you know, it doesn't need to be like a hashtag New York City Bagels or a hashtag um, women's swimwear. It could be hashtag um, some kind of a name. Yeah, it could be right. small biz. It could be Obamacare. Um, obviously, something like Obamacare is a, is, a, is a hashtag that a lot of people might have interest in, so you're going to meet, reach a much bigger audience over a bigger area. But let's say you wanted to communicate with an audience of people that just were interested in New York City bagel stores. Um, you know, or for that matter, you kind of wanted to have a hashtag that your select group of customers um, – could associate with. So you could use a name like uh, like Barry S, for example. So if I wanted to communicate with a bunch of followers to Barry S, Barry S, my hashtag would be Barry S. And then I'd give that hashtag out to people that I wanted to um, possibly tweet to, and they would receive my tweets um, and pass that hashtag on to other people that they thought might be interested in things that Barry S has to say or has to offer. Well, um uh, I'm a small business. Let's say a dry cleaner in Belleville, New Jersey, just to uh, use an example. Um, uh, Belleville cleaners might be a hashtag that they might use. Yep, Belleville cleaners, exactly right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh. The, the one thing I love about this program is I learn something new every night. Uh, uh, I, uh, we have our own Twitter account at Small Business uh, Digest, SBiz, SB, uh, SB Digest, uh, Hashmark, and we have uh, quite a number of uh, followers, and, and people have been urging us to do more with it. And listening to you, I realize that w we should be doing more uh, with you probably should. The only thing I'll tell you is it takes work, and uh, there's nothing easy. There's no magical formula. So, you know, you'll have to put out a lot of relevant tweets if you're going to use, you know, your Twitter account, and um, to a universe of recipients that you believe want to receive those messages, and then you want to try to come up with different ways to get 
your followers to bring other followers to you. So you want to grow your follower base to a bigger and bigger and bigger audience. And it just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of communication. It takes uh, work in putting out good tweets, good content um, to get people to follow you. Well, uh, how does your company help a small business do this? Well, um, what we do in our managed technology solutions group is we do um, – we have certain services that we sell. I mean, this wouldn't be something that we would sell to people or charge to them, but if a business client came to us and they had a website, we certainly could help them you know, set up a Facebook account, set up a Twitter account, and give them some basic information on how to manage that relationship. You know, and they can get to, to our people – at our website, thesba.com, and go to web services. And through the website, they could speak to one of our talented professionals in the managed technology solutions area. And we could help them with, uh, the, you know, their marketing presence. You know, some of, the, some of these things we do is an accommodation to business owners, um, you know, to bring them into current age and get them familiar with New Tech, the small business authority. Well, let me ask you a little question a little bit off the uh, uh, topic. But what are the, what do you think are the challenges small businesses face in this involving uh, environment? Well, we're in a low growth to no growth economy. Um, you know, if you believe GDP is growing at one or two percent, and you believe that the inflation rate is one or two percent, I don't know too many individuals that think prices are only going up by one or two percent. Mine certainly aren't. They're going up by a lot more than that. And if they are going up by more than that, you've actually got negative GDP and you got negative growth. So, I mean, the challenge for a business owner today is you can't just throw a business out there and hope you're going to do better because the economy's growing. You've got to be, you know, faster, smarter, and more efficient. You've got to have the best technologies. You've got to have the lowest cost financing, uh, and you've got to have the, the, the cheapest way to get to customers. And you've really got to be state-of-the-art. And if you're not state-of-the-art, you're gone. And you've got to adapt, um, and you've got to pay attention to, you know, what's changing in the marketplace. So, I mean, that's why a company like ours is extremely important to small business owners. We put out an, uh, a newsletter once a month. You can go to our website at thesba.com and sign up for our newsletter. It's free. We put out 10 important articles every month about payroll taxes changing or Obamacare or you know how to get a business loan or the benefits of cloud computing or using hashtags, things of that nature. So, you know, business owners today have got to be on their game to be able to really compete in the marketplace today. So if you have a, a you know, a no growth or low growth economy, you've got to outperform your competitors and take their market share. It's the only way you're going to thrive and survive. Well, you, your your group also conducts uh, regular surveys that I've seen come across the de uh, my desk. And uh, um, the, the, overall, how do you see small business optimism? Um, it's it's tough right now. And I, I, let me talk about the negatives first before I get into the positives. Here's the negative: small business owners. They're entrepreneurs. They're hardworking people. Uh, many of them, you know, are, are, are first generation, frankly, and they come to this country and they all of a sudden see government getting larger and larger, more bureaucracy, more regulation, and more debt. 
So if you're a business owner, you're going, okay, this debt's gone from, you know, eight trillion to seventeen trillion. The debt's got to be paid off. I'm going to be making money, and ultimately, <laughs> they're going to come to me to pay off all this debt that the public is is creating. That's very debilitating, extremely so. The extra regulation is debilitating. The fact that government is telling you, you know, you've got to buy health insurance is debilitating. You know, that's that is the big difficult. Those are the big difficult issues for entrepreneurs and independent business owners today. On the positive side of things, um, we do have gridlock in Washington. That's fantastic. <laughs> gridlock is a great thing. It's likely that the growth of government will slow. I'm not saying it's going to decline, but it's going to slow. That's a positive thing. Um, and you've also got one major factor going on in the United States, and the United States is probably converting from being an energy importer to an energy exporter. That will change the balance of payments. It'll be able to enable us to knock down debt, and it's going to create a lot of job opportunities in this country. So I think this country will luck itself out, reverse its balance of payments, reverse its its uh, need to borrow money, and there's no question the United States is the best place in the world to live and do business. So the capital will flow from China, India, South America. I mean, people talk about other countries being better than us or China. There's just no way. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, we are, we are we're the best of the worst, and um, that's going to be very beneficial for business and business owners, I think, for the next five or ten years. That's awfully nice uh, uh, hearing it. We hear so much negative about this country. It's nice when people start to say positive things about it. Uh, yep. Uh, that, that, it's really good. I was just watching a program before we went on the air where uh, they were arguing, and b both sides were arguing negatively about this country. It was just uh, fascinating. Uh, Barry, while we still have you on the phone, uh, let's uh, could, could you t talk a little bit about small business financing? And, uh, yeah, it's um, you know another challenging area. Uh, the FDIC came out this past week and basically is proffering regulations for bank capital that are more conservative and more stringent than Basel. What does that mean? It means that the top 25 banks in the United States are going to have to have higher capital ratios. What does that mean? If they have higher capital ratios, it means they have less balance sheet per dollar of capital. What does that mean? Less loans. Um, banks will not be growing their balance sheet. We're in a deleveraging process all across the world. Loans are harder to come by. So selfishly, we're... We kind of like that because we do have capital, and we have developed a way to put money out to small business and finance that cost effectively, and also provide small businesses capital. We're the largest non-bank SBA lender in the United States. We lend money from 50000 to $5 million to small businesses in all 50 states, and um, it's good for our it's good for our business. Business owners should take a look at their at their needs, and if the money is available, they should grab it. Capital is going to be very near and dear for the next five or ten years. That's uh, that's a little depressing to hear. Let me, ask, uh, if you don't mind staying on a few sure. more minutes, sure. uh, uh, let me let me ask you this: um, going to technology. Uh, uh, the cloud is is clearly uh, having a, de uh, a heavy impact on small business. 
what do you see about the cloud, and uh, should a small business consider a, a cloud application? Yeah, I think um, the word cloud is uh, it's uh, it's cloudy. <laughs> it's uh, very daunting for business owners, and independent business owners don't wake up in the morning and say, "Hey, I got to buy some cloud." So, what is this cloud? What is this you know fancy term? That's actually kind of a simple concept. And here's the simple concept. Business owners should not have their data in a tower under their desk or in a server in their closet or in a local IT provider's closet. The data needs to be in a military strength-proof data center. It's the safest place for their data. That's called a cloud. You can call it a private cloud. You can call it, you know, new text cloud. You can call it Google's cloud. But at the end of the day, business owners should not have their data on site. And when you ask business owners are using the cloud, the first thing they say is, "Yeah, my data is backed up." That's not the cloud. Backing up is an important application and function that business owners should have in terms of their primary source of their data going down. But the key is they can't leave their data outside. In my opinion of a real data center. It should be in a data center. They should be able to access it from a tablet or a smartphone, and that gives them a cloud presence. It's, just, it's in my opinion, as secure as, uh, as any other application, and it's also more cost-effective because most cloud services, it's pay for what you use. So most, you know, like for, at NewTek, you, you basically only get charged for what you use, whether that's uh, the power or the bandwidth or calling a customer service representative on the clock. Um, you typically save between 25 to 60% in current IT costs if you host your hardware and your software in a cloud environment. And that's, that's going to be the biggest change for small business going forward. It's going to be a great money saver. It's going to keep people more secure. And let me tell you, security is going to be a huge issue in the next 10 years as well. Well, um, going to say, many small businesses say, well, uh, if I do that, I'm losing control of my of everything, and and uh, I'm putting putting myself uh, open to. Uh, you know what we call those people, Don? We call them server huggers <laughs> because they want to hug their server. <laughs> Um, and the fact of the matter is, the only person that is, you know, really in control, it's, it's a box, for crying out loud. So, you know, do you need your local IT guy to hug the box? I mean, no, you're better off having the box in a data center, and you're not losing control. I mean, obviously, you want to deal with a reputable company that has a balance sheet, and we'll show you their financial statements, but you're not losing control of your data. Not at all. Well, let's turn it around uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm writing a story for this issue of the magazine on on the cloud, and one of the things that uh, 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 some of the interviewee, interviewees that I've been uh, talking to uh, say uh, that I, I'm letting go. I'm I'm letting go, and I'm putting everything there. What happens if the uh, Suddenly, that company goes away, or uh, 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 or uh, suddenly uh, there's a massive attack, a uh, hacker attack. What do you say mm -hmm. to people? What do you say? What do, people, do you say to to that sort of argument? 
Well, it's a good argument. I mean, the fact of the matter is um, data centers are experiencing massive amounts of attacks on a daily basis. Um, I mean, that's just a fact of life, uh, you know, and that's a fact of life going forward. But you're far more vulnerable to leaving uh, your data in a closet in your office or having a local IT provider have that data. You're, you're far more vulnerable. It's just a question of you got you got to pick your poison, but I think you're much, much safer having your data in a data center. Well, if we can go further afield just for a minute. Um, sure. I notice in this article um, the cloud is also making it easier for new companies to come into the marketplace. Do you agree? I do agree because, you know, rather than, you know, having to buy your own hardware and software, you basically go into a cloud environment where you're really renting it. So your cost to enter a business and have software and hardware available to you is much cheaper than if you'd actually have to buy it and own it. Well, as someone said, you uh, you can almost, can almost have a ready-made office and a ready-made uh, uh, back office uh, uh, for just pennies a day starting out. Uh, yep, pretty virtual. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, what what do you see as the future, uh, Barry, uh, for small business? Do you uh, you already said that um, financing is going to be tight. What else do you think is, is going to happen? I think financing will be tied into the banking industry heals itself, which I think is going to take a while. So, you know, that's a negative. Uh, technology is going to be um, a real savior for small business. It's going to reduce costs. It's going to make businesses more efficient and, you know, less reliant upon upon labor. Um, I think the trends uh, in the United States are pro-immigration. And that's a very good thing for small business. You get the best and the brightest people that want to come to this country on a relative basis. This country is getting stronger and stronger every day vis-a-vis -vis every other country in the United States. There's a plethora of capital flowing into this country. So although I'm down on the banking system, uh, I am up on capital flowing into the United States and ultimately flowing into businesses. So um, I think the outlook for um, for small businesses is constructive. I think the outlook for the U.S. economy uh, is constructive. Um, so I feel, and I have to tell you, I've been negative probably since 1998 on things, so I'm not sure about my timing, and there was a lot of ups and downs in between, but if you kind of look at the stock market, for the most part, from 2000 to today, it's pretty much at the same, at the same rate. But I think from here, we're in very good shape to have a nice a nice run. I want to say the stock market. That's really a reflection of the whole economy. Now, here's the one caveat: <laughs> we 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 got to get Washington out of the uh, out of the economy, and and that's been a bad that's been a bad trend. Past Obama, I lay it on Bush too. That's been, government has grown in the last two president presidential uh, tenures. Well, um, I, I agree, but let, let, let me go to another point. Uh, you say immigrants. One of the uh, a recent guest we had on the program said that there a lot of companies, uh, uh, the second and third generations, do not want to um, uh, continue the programs. And, uh, they don't want. They don't want to work. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> forget, for, I said they don't even want to work. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm saying immigration is, is is the greatest. It's the greatest thing this country has. And, you know, first generation people that are, you know, used to growing up in India or China or South America, they come to this country and they go, wow, this is great. I could work. I can accumulate wealth. Like, you know, that's exciting. So immigration is key. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, uh, I'm, I think, third generation. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm a, a freak of nature. But, you know, I worry about my kids and my kids' kids because typically when you start to get down in levels, um, the the entrepreneurial spirit, the work ethic, the how you got there in the first place is all forgotten, and it, it turns into an an entitlement uh, entitlement world, and that's not good. Um, uh, I'm the son of immigrants, so uh, I, I kind of know that. Um, to, to wrap up uh, tonight, um, what three things would you tell a small business owner that came to, uh, uh, today? Uh, they, they, the three most important things they should do. I think the most, the, the number one important thing they need to do is they need to embrace technology and they need to embrace the internet. So, um, you know, if they're in a business where they could reach customers utilizing the internet and social media, they, they've got to do that. The second thing is they've got to have all of their their business operations, hardware, software in the cloud in an efficient manner, so they're so their workforce can access the critical data they need and the critical applications on a cost-effective basis to get to get their costs down. Um, and the third thing they need to do is to make sure they do not have excessive levels of debt. Um, it's not going to be easy to grow in this market, so they want to have as little uh, financial leverage as possible. You really want to grow a business primarily with equity, and you want to try to stay stay away from debt because that's not debt is not going to be easy to get to to to, to get, and it's going to be expensive. Uh, Barry, uh, we kept you on longer than we planned because you're so interesting. Again, uh, for our audience, if they want to uh, know more about your company. They can reach uh, our company at THESBA. That stands for the Small Business Authority, THESBA.com. Our stock symbol is NEWT. We trade on the NASDAQ. And if they wanted to reach you somehow? Sure, they can uh, reach me at B Sloan, B S L O A N E, B Sloan at T H E S B A dot com, the Small Business Authority dot com. Uh, Barry, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I hope you'll come back soon. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, you have a great night. Okay. Well, our next guest will be with us after this commercial. Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidents of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to ProtectiveCountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's ProtectiveCountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Studies have shown that only half of all startups survive the first five years. Tonight we have a guest who is just embarking on this journey. We want to welcome Natalie Gonzalez, who is the middle of, in the middle of the early stages of a startup. Natalie, welcome to the program. 
Thanks, Donald. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, Natalie, we, we always start um, talking to our uh, guests by asking them a little bit about their personal background. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I'm from the Bay Area, just south of San Jose. Uh, I grew up playing soccer and was fortunate enough to receive an athletic scholarship to UC Berkeley. Uh, during college, I developed an extremely addicting habit of jumping out of airplanes and uh, worked as a skydiving instructor. Uh, when it was time to get serious, I started my uh, working career in sales. After a few years, I transitioned into doing recruiting for that same company um, and became really good at online recruiting. Uh, eventually branched off to start my own recruiting company with a partner, and I ran that for almost six years um, and sold it so I could focus full-time on Chatalog. Okay. Now tell us about what your startup's all about. Sure. Chatalog is an online tool that makes it fun and easy for close friends and family to privately collaborate around important or meaningful shopping decisions. Uh, so, for example, a husband and wife discussing new furniture for their house or apartment, um, or siblings discussing discussing what to get their mom for her birthday. So, if I understand you correctly, if you, if there are four, four siblings, for for instance, who want to buy their mother a ring, they can they can pull it uh, through your 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 uh, website, Chatalog. Right. So yeah. So they go to Chatalog.com and create you know mom's ring. Um, they invite the siblings to it. Um, and then they could go to any website, um, Amazon, a, a jeweler site, and pick out rings um, from any of those red websites and add it to a shared collaborative page where they can all talk about it. Um, it's basically like a visual chat stream with all the, the, the products and then the conversations surrounding those products all on one page. Oh, and so, but your 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 website is chat c h a t a l o g. Am I correct? Correct. You are dot correct. Com. Yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, I'm a, uh, uh, it wasn't as clear coming through to you, and I wanted to make sure. Uh, Thank you. Yes. Um, so um, uh, now, what made you decide to go off and do this for yourself? Ooh, well, Chattanooga happened after uh, my husband and I actually moved from the Bay Area to New York City. Um, and it was right around my uh, my parents' 30th wedding anniversary where my brother and I would always spend the day together uh, shopping and picking them out a gift. Um, so we attempted to do that uh, with him still being in California, and now I was in New York City. And it just ended up being a bunch of text messages and an out-of-control email chain that had 10 different links on it and us going back and forth. Um, you know, overall, it was definitely a pretty frustrating experience for my brother and I, and certainly not the way shopping was, was meant to be done. Um, I talked to, uh, you know, a few of my friends about this and realized I definitely wasn't the only one that experienced, you know, disjointed conversations when it came to shopping online and trying to get advice or feedback from, pe from people close. Um, and that's kind of when I decided to, uh, to go and build it and, and solve this problem. Um, you know, they say starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and hoping somebody builds a swimming pool before you land. Uh, uh, do you feel, um, what are some of the, um, we're going to start first with the obstacles, then we'll, uh, what, what are some of the things that you ran into that uh, surprised you? 
That surprised me. Um, I'd say, I mean, we definitely ran into a lot of obstacles on a, on a daily basis that I'm sure a lot of small businesses or, or startups run into. The biggest one for me, I guess, that surprised me was just convincing myself to actually take the plunge and, and do this full time. Um, looking back, I, I'd obviously wish I'd done it a lot sooner. Um, and it really came down to talking to a lot of people about my idea, um, getting validation that, that other people were experiencing the problem too. Um, and I think that's probably a, a really big challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs that there's a ton of great ideas out there, but um, if you're not committed enough to, to quit everything and go out there and solve it, it'll take you forever to make progress. And um, I definitely ran into that for probably the first six months and just kind of mulling around and, and talking about it and still waffling with my, you know, recruiting business and was I ready to to, to not work essentially and not make money um, to to go out and try to, to solve this problem. So um, that was probably the biggest one that, that kind of came to me. And what, what what have you found satisfying about doing a start-off? Um, there's been, I mean, there's definitely been, it's almost like any little um, little thing or little positive notion can, can really kind of get your juices going. Um, I, I think a lot of it goes back to, to talking to a lot of people about your idea. I definitely learned a lot. Um, by listening to people and feedback um, from, you know, validation to hear people running into the same experience that, that I did. Um, we got a lot of great comments um, just in talking to people about, you know, new user features, things that we didn't even think about um, when it came to online shopping with friends that would be really cool to add to our site. Um, we, I, you know, we also a lot of, learned a lot from, from people that, didn't quite think our idea was as cool as we did, um, and just hope, try to poke holes into what we were doing. You know, why not use the sites that are already out there? Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of it kind of really comes down to just talking out loud, um, telling everyone kind of what you're working on, and just getting feedback. Well, um, uh, uh, you're into this project about a year? Yep, uh, just over a year now, about May of last year. Okay, so now you're your first year. What do you, what do you see are are uh, that you have to do this year, in the next six months to really uh, move your your startup forward? Um, I think a big thing is you know I think it's so easy, especially as you're you're starting a new idea and working on things, is you want everything to be perfect um, before you show people. Um, so I, I think you know my goal in the next six months is just to get. Uh, get catalog out there as much as possible, get user feedback. Um, we're really working on just taking in what our users say and applying that. Um, some of our users mentioned that it would be really cool to actually, when they're walking into a store, um, to take a picture um, and be able to add that to your catalog. So we're actually working on that for our mobile app right now. Um, so I think the main goals in the, in the next few months are, are trying different things, um, we obviously have a long-term vision and, and, and going with that, but, um, you know, the next few months we really want to focus on what our users are telling us and turn it around and get it out there uh, as quickly as possible so we can get more feedback and continue on that cycle. Well, you, you've signed up some uh, major retailers, I think. Am I right on that? Uh, yeah. The, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, we've actually we've, we've got um, verbal commitments from a few retailers, 
um, about actually adding catalog to their site as being their um, way of social sharing um, for their site. So we're definitely excited about that, um, and we're going to be focusing on that in the next couple months um, of testing it out uh, with these retailers and seeing the feedback and progress we get with that. Well, um, am I correct? Your husband quit his job to do this full-time with you now? He did. He's a little late on the bandwagon. He had to have me quit first and do this. But, uh, yeah, he did. About uh, three months ago, he uh, he as well quit his job, and he's fully in on this with me as well. So it's it's three of us. But, yep, my well, husband's the, in on it. Who's the third person? The third person is our uh, technical um, engineer. Um, he's based out of Columbus, um, so it's the three of us. Well, um, uh, how are you marketing your pro project? Um, definitely word of mouth with our friends, having um, having them try it. We're uh, doing some Facebook promotions, um, uh, social media as much as we can, and trying to get our name out there. Um, and we're really starting to focus on a lot of uh, some of these Facebook promotions. It's how we've gotten um, a good amount of kind of user feedback in trying new things. So that is we're probably going to stick with that for a little while. Um, and you know we're we got we raised a little bit of um, financing um, other than than bootstrapping it. So we're trying to be as smart as possible about where our money goes. Um, so in marketing the product, um, we're doing as as best we can to to do it with as little, using as little money as possible. Well, I jumped the question. I should go back and ask, how is it working, <laughs> husband and wife? <laughs> you know, it's it's a very common question we get, um, especially just talking to people about our idea. And, and you know, my husband and I met working together, um, so we're very familiar with working with each other. We actually ran a couple of successful businesses um, prior to, to Chattelog, um, so, you know, for us, I love it. I couldn't be more excited. I wish you would have um, jumped on board uh, with Chattelog full-time a lot earlier. So, you know, for us, it works. Um, we know what, what each other's strengths and weaknesses are, and I think we play off uh, excellent with it. So um, I know it definitely kind of can draw some red flags for some people, but it's definitely been a positive situation for the two of us. Well, um, Natalie, we're going to invite you back in six months to talk about how, how far you've gone. But thank you for joining Great. us today. Thank you, Donald. I really appreciate it. I'd love to come back. All right. Now uh, we'll talk about uh, security after this uh, brief word from our sponsor. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. Welcome back uh, to Small Business Digest. I am Don Mazzella, and our next guest is Brian Shimodi of Avignon. I'm going to ask him how to pronounce this, who will talk about finding Hi, affordable. How are you doing? It's a Vigilant. A Vigilant. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, I, I asked your name, but I didn't ask that. I should have. But anyway, we're going to talk about affordable, scalable security for small business. But before we do, we always ask, Brian, a little bit about you, who you are, how you got to where you are. So with that, yeah, I Thank you, Don. I am the Executive Vice President of Global Sales at Avigilon. And um, prior to Avigilon, um, I did uh, two startup companies and worked for two publicly traded NASDAQ companies uh, within the security and surveillance industry. And uh, Avigilon in the past uh, 24 months has gone public as well. And we're no longer a startup. We're actually the uh, number one fastest growing technology company in North America now. And uh, so, yeah, I've I've uh, been in the uh, industry for about 15 years and um, enjoying every minute of it. The securities industry or uh, or security and surveillance. Right. Are, are you ex the uh, police or did, how did you get into this? No, I'm not. I, I uh, got into it. I'm actually um, an engineer. And uh, I came from the technology world uh, into the technology side of the security and surveillance business um, and got into it that way, actually, um, designing the systems and uh, working with, you know, large organizations uh, that ranged from federal government to uh, large Fortune 50 and 500 companies actually designing a lot of their security and surveillance uh, and access control solutions that they use today. Oh, so, uh, so you really know this field. Now, does your company uh, it specializes in uh, does uh, does it offer uh, programs for small business? Yes, we do. At Vigilon, we specialize on uh, everything from small business to large business, federal government, and uh, virtually uh, every uh, vertical market. Um, you know, in business, uh, we we provide solutions for actually. Uh, we manufacture uh, high-definition surveillance cameras and uh, video management software uh, to manage all of that data that's captured from those cameras. Um, and we're used in, uh, you know, thousands of small businesses around the world. Well, let me ask you a question which just came to mind as you were talking, which has nothing to do with it. Well, we see on television all of these uh, new programs using these surveillance cameras to pick out uh, uh, people and things. Isn't that as effective as it appears, or is that not a question in your purvey? Yeah, so you're talking about CSI most likely, and um, that's always been, you know, an impression that's been left upon, you know, people. But then when you turn on the, you know, the nightly news and you see, you know, a small business that's on the news that's potentially, you know, had an incident or been robbed, uh, the video looks nowhere you know, nowhere uh, anything like that. And, uh, you know, the technology is there now, and that's that's what we do at Avigilon. Um, with the multi-megapixel high-definition technology, um, you are able to get uh, usable information uh, from the cameras to identify an individual uh, or even a license plate to make out a license plate and then, uh, you know, go from there for prosecution or, or whatever the case might be. So, Similar, you know, not not quite like CSI, where they they zoom in from the sky and into the you know into a dime that's on the ground. But uh, you know, certainly um, the technology has improved significantly over the uh, past years. 
Well, I know that's off the subject, but but when you mention it, just I just had to ask the question. But now let's get back. Uh, the the topic we're talking about is small business, affordable, uh, effective, and scalable security. Uh, that's the broad question. I leave it up to you. Yeah. So uh, small businesses. Um uh, have invested in security and surveillance uh, technology over the years, and you know there's a need for it, you know more than ever now because surveillance technology uh, is not just used uh, in small businesses anymore um, for uh, you know for specific specifically for surveillance. It's also used in a number of other areas such as business intelligence, uh, training, uh, you know asset protection and liability. In all of those areas, um, small businesses um, are able to utilize uh, this new high-tech technology um, by utilizing the existing investment, actually, that they uh, that they've already made. You know, as a small business owner, many small business owners can't, you know, go out and rip and replace technology uh, that they've already invested in and put in all new technology. And so security solutions uh, that are out there in the market um, actually have the ability to allow uh, small businesses to utilize what they have existing and future-proof the system um, with the new latest and greatest technology like we just talked about with, uh, with high-definition technology and, uh, you know, pave a path to the future without having to, uh, you know, make a, a significant investment. Um, what we see in small businesses and how they're using these systems um, is, you know, such as a retailer, um, they're actually able to use surveillance technology now to determine um, when certain incidences uh, happen in the stores, um, when they need to restock shelves, when they have a slip and fall. There's a lot of intelligence that's built into the video, actually, that's able to um, you know, alert in real time as well. So it's not just about, you know, watching people uh, anymore for, you know, theft, um, you know, or anything like that. There's there's so much more that goes along with it that uh, provides a significant return on investment to a small business. Well, I'm a small business merchant, let, let's say a dollar store, um, and I'm building a dollar store. What do you recommend uh, as a, a basic unit for uh, a store like that? Yes, so a dollar store um, that's existing would already have a, uh, a system deployed. So what I would recommend is a, a cost-effective way to upgrade the system uh, utilizing uh, what's called encoder technology, which actually takes the existing cameras uh, that they have installed and then converts them into uh, IP devices uh, utilizing, you know, the same installed cameras without having to um, uh, throw that investment away and then installing uh, video management software, uh, which is software that has forensic tools and capability built into it where all of the metadata from the cameras is actually recorded and stored and then can be accessed uh, very quickly um, in a number of different ways um, where you have the ability to go in and search by uh, license plate or search by specific events. Um, that would be, you know, the most cost-effective way 
to uh, you know to, to install surveillance in a dollar store, and then in the high risk areas, you know, such as the parking lots around the cash registers, you know, and entry and exit points, uh, I would utilize high definition technology, at one through twenty nine, uh, you know, megapixel camera, just depending on you know what exactly it is that they were wanting to do. But uh, uh, well, let's talk about the outside for one minute. Should should a merchant uh, have a 360-degree uh, surveillance around his or her building. Uh, oftentimes you see, you hear, well, we have it in the front, but we didn't have it in the back. But uh, is that something people should think about? It absolutely is something that people should think about, and, and unfortunately that's what happens, and a lot of times is the, uh, the incidences can occur um, you know, in areas where there's not surveillance. And that's one of the advantages um, with high-definition video is you're actually able to capture a greater coverage area, and you're actually, um, based on the cameras being properly installed, you're actually able to get full-time 360-degree coverage around the building uh, with high-definition video. Oh. And all the way with detail, with detail that will allow you to actually zoom into the license plate of a vehicle, be able to fully read it, identify it, uh, zoom in all the way across a parking lot uh, into somebody's face and be able to identify them, put that on the news or whatever it may be, and actually get uh, actionable results out of the video. Well, um, are you also connecting uh, connecting to... Uh to the internet, so that not only is it internally, but it goes out internally to other uh, so- sources as well. Other absolutely. locations, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The, these systems uh, do run uh, on the uh, network, and uh, many small businesses uh, that have multiple locations actually, uh, you know, small businesses, large businesses, you know, whoever it may be, these systems actually interconnect together. And so you can, you know, be a small business owner and be sitting at home or in your office in one of your locations and actually pull this video up live or recorded, all of the forensic search tools uh, from anywhere in the world. Um, these systems also have the ability to operate on uh, an Android, iPhone, you know, iPad, or, you know, any type of tablet device as well. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, which maybe. Uh who owns that footage? Who owns the footage? Well, uh, the the person that owns the business, uh, you know, owns the footage that's on the system. You know, so that would be their their property. Uh, uh, now I'm going to give you a tough question because because it came up in something I I, I heard. Uh, if a crime is committed not involving the uh, uh the the store owner but uh, in the parking lot is he required to turn over the uh uh video to the to the uh, law enforcement officials you're right don that is a tough question um those those rules are going to vary yeah those rules are going to vary um between states um it's 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 really different you know everywhere you go so uh, that's that's unfortunately one that I won't be able to give you an answer on. Well, I, I just thought of it because it came up. I I also have to tell you I'm on the board of uh, in New Jersey one of the two uh, state authorized medical marijuana uh, growing, 
and uh, I can look at uh, literally watch marijuana growing from my uh, from my iPad from my computer. Uh, we have a very secure facility, which is unbelievably secure, and uh, that's why when you were uh, when when uh, you were suggested for the program, I really uh, wanted to hear from you because uh, I've learned a lot about security over the last six months and video security especially. Uh, okay. Tell us, tell us about some of the other products uh, that uh, your company uh, provides. Yes. So um, we we have the world's, as I mentioned, we have the world's uh, broadest range of megapixel high definition surveillance cameras, uh, one through twenty nine megapixel. Actually, one of the interesting things that I didn't mention earlier, Don is that with high-definition video, we're actually able to lower the cost of ownership for small businesses because with HD video, you're actually able to do more with less. And I'll explain that. A one-megapixel camera is equivalent to three uh, VGA cameras, which is what you would see in a typical system you know, or video that's displayed on TV on the nightly news, whereas a 29-megapixel camera is equivalent to 100 uh, what it would take 100 BGA cameras to do. So you can actually mount the technology directly to uh, the buildings and uh, where the network infrastructure is. You're not having to install, you know, cables and poles and do trenching and fiber optics, you know, through parking lots to put cameras out there. And you're able to, uh, you know, gather all of that forensic uh, detail. Um, we also do license plate recognition as well. So our software uh, has the ability to capture license plates, and uh, we can integrate different databases and marry that information uh, within our system to uh, create, uh, you know, actionable uh, real-time intelligence and response uh, that's automated through our uh, award-winning uh, video management software, which is what's called the Vigilant Control Center. And then we also do uh, access control. We just recently acquired uh, a company called uh, Red Cloud Security. And uh, physical access control is another big thing uh, for small businesses as well, uh, where you want to, uh, you know, automate the entry and exit points um, and do a number of things there where people swipe a badge, as I'm sure you've probably had to do before, uh, to, to enter and exit a facility. And then those, that system is actually integrated with the video as well, where you can uh, marry that, uh, that data together. One of the things that we see a lot of small businesses do, you know, small retailers such as, uh, you know, gas stations and C-stores, is they utilize our uh, point-of-sale technology. So it's really neat. Um, our system actually is able to uh, it has hooks to integrate into point of sale systems. So you know, if I took somebody's credit card and went on a shopping spree um, at a business, um, that business could type in that credit card number when the police came or credit card company contacted them, and actually pull that video up synchronized with the POS journal roll data. And there's uh, virtually you can query through everything in the uh, in the system, you know. But that's what we do. Our focus is on uh, you know on security and surveillance. So we manufacture, uh, you know, high def high definition video surveillance systems um, that also integrate with you know legacy technology and existing assets that uh, small businesses already have deployed. Well, you certainly uh, to uh, to taught me a lot today. Uh, how can people uh, learn more about your company and about uh, uh, and about and if they wanted to talk to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can learn more about our company by going to www. 
avigilon.com. That's A-V-I-G-I-L-O-N.com. And um, I'm available there on the website and can be contacted through there. Um, that's the uh, the best place to learn about us. And we also have um, several videos on YouTube as well and, and uh, customer testimonial and articles that are, that are on the website. Well, thank you so much, for Brian, for coming on tonight. I, I know our audience uh, really uh, – uh, I enjoyed it, and I hope our audience did as well. And, and come, come again soon. Thanks a lot, Don. Take care. Have a good day. You too. That's our program for t- for today. Uh, we also remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web at smallbusinessdigest.net. There you can uh, learn about our newsletters, about the uh, more about our, our this radio program, and about our, our uh, magazine. Uh, its next issue will, will be appearing within the next week. And and, uh, next week, uh, we're we're going to uh, an earlier hour, 8 o'clock. They moved us to prime time. And uh, we look forward to having you with us again. This is Don Mazzella, and and this is Small Business Digest. Thank you.